if you will. So we, we won't have any music this morning, so it's just okay. And then we'll just get rolling and I don't sing a cappella. You can you can you can sing that. I sing I, I sing Yeah. Come to the garden. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well there you go. All right, Romans chapter number three, if you will. Last time we were in verse nineteen and twenty, we saw the verdict. Verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, that saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And we, we looked at the verdict last time, and the verdict there is that all the world may become guilty before God. We saw the impact of the law. We saw the new language that's being introduced now by the Apostle Paul. Verse 19, now we know. Verse 21, but now. Verse 26, to declare I say at this time. And uh, we, we ran a bunch of verses there about that new language that now Paul is beginning to introduce uh, a, a dispensational uh, aspect to the issue of the righteousness uh, of God. If you will look, and, and so we wanna, what we want to do this morning is get into verse number 21. Why? Okay, yeah, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now, we're, now we're going to get, starting in verse 21, with the but now. Again, we saw the law last time. The law, by the, by the law, is the knowledge of sin. And we saw that issue of how the law comes along and exposes the sin. It doesn't help it. It's like that MRI. You go in, you have an MRI, and it just exposes the problem. It doesn't fix you. It can't heal you, okay? But it just shows what's going on, and that's what the law does. Now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. Now we're going to get into the nuts and the bolts of, of our salvation. So we're going to go a little slower through some of this because there's a lot of information packed into a few verses here, and we want to unpack them and then pack them back up, okay, for you. And again, we're going to go down through the information carefully, deliberately. So we're going to run down through about verse 23 this week. Next week, we're going to go back up and get some stuff in verse 22. Then we're going to go down and get in some verse and stuff in 24. We're just going to have to kind of bounce around through this because of, of really the critical information that's here. 
the glorious truths that are here so that they'll begin to sink down into our inner man because this really is the, 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 the cruxed information of our justification. And we're going to look at those words, justification, propitiation, freely, grace. We're going to define them, get an idea of what they're talking about, and, and then look down into it. And it starts in verse 1 there, I'm sorry, verse 21, but now. And again, some 20-some-odd times Paul uses that, that term, but now. And he's using it in connection with the righteousness of God. And and again, just kind of remember, the, the context of all of this is critically important. God has laid out the charges. He's let man, humanity, present a defense. Now the verdict is in, guilty. That's the answer. Now, starting in verse 21, God in verse 19 told man to shut up. Be quiet. If you will just be quiet and listen to me, I will give you the answer you need to fix your problem. You're guilty. Let's fix your... God here is going to give man the ultimate solution to man's problem. I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer is going to be the issue of my righteousness. And you need to, I can just see, you know, having raised kids, just be quiet. You know, we were one time, I always hated when dad told stories on us, but now as a dad, I get to tell stories on mine, you know, preacher kid uh, mentality. We were sitting one time and we were arguing about where we were going to go eat dinner. And I had, I was going to, we were going to go a little nicer on my, in my brain, but I didn't tell them that. They were just, rah, 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 rah. and I'm like, well, if you guys will be quiet, I'll tell you where, you know, where we would like, I would like to take us, which is Red Lobster, which then everybody, oh, yeah, well, let's go, <laughs> you know, beats Taco Bell any day, you know, type of thing. So be quiet, stand there as the sinner, stand there as guilty, and let me give you the solution. Let me lay it out to you. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. And usually what happens is, is theology comes into this verse and says, See, now God is offering a new righteousness because it's a righteousness without the law. And see, it, it's, a, it's something now that God's developed this new righteousness, but it's not a new righteousness. It's the same righteousness. Notice the verse 21, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So it's the same righteousness of God. The righteousness of God never changed. But now it's the righteousness of God with what? Without the law. So now we're going to look and have a viewpoint of the righteousness of God that's going to be different than what's been presented before. And different in that there's new information being revealed. The law and the prophets, the witness by the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets have always witnessed about the righteousness of God. The fact that he is a holy and just God. 
and the fact that God over his, throughout history has defended, has validated, has protected the integrity of who he is, of his righteousness. That's the witness by the law and the prophets. He has, he, as a righteous God, what does he demand? Perfect, unbroken righteousness. The same, we've already seen that when we went down through in chapter 2 there. What he looks at man and he says, listen, my son came. I demanded of him perfect righteousness. Guess what I'm demanding of you? Perfect righteousness. The, the, the justice bar never changed. We are now going to learn something about the righteousness of God. We're going to discover that the very righteousness of God that condemned the sinner, said you're guilty, is now going to come over here and say, I'm going to work for you. Here's the solution. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to make you something. God, again, standing there looking at that sinner going, dude, you're guilty. Just be quiet. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know. I love that passage in Matthew 6 when he, just right before the Our Father Who Art in Heaven prayer, and he says, you guys pray like the heathen with much repetition. Why? Because what does man know? If I nag enough, he'll finally give in. Eventually he'll give in, you know. Keep bugging dad long enough or mom long enough, and what do they usually do? Okay, enough, just shut up. Here, go, get out of here. Well, God's standing there, and he says, look, be quiet. You're guilty. I have something for you. Verse 21, it's the same righteousness of God. It's not a different one. It's not a new one. But rather, it's a different way to think about the righteousness of God. Now, the righteousness of God, yes, it condemns the sinner, because there's the standard, but then it comes along and says, I'm going to go to work for you. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Now, God can do something because of the dispensational change. He can do something for the sinner without violating the integrity of his righteousness. Come over to chapter 11 of Romans. Chapter 11. And just, you have that issue of but now. Romans 11. You start there in verse 11, and you have the issue of Israel's falling, and that salvation goes to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Okay? Verse 13 Paul, uh, verse 12, I'm sorry, you have the diminishing of them away. Verse 13, Paul speaks of his office. Verse 14, he, he wants to provoke them to emulation so that he could save some of them. Look at verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the who? The world. When God interrupted the program, Israel's program, and started the dispensation of grace, the first thing he did was change the status of the world. In Israel's program, what was the status of the world? 
They were just heathen, weren't they? They were just boom. But they had to do what? In order to get to God, who did they have to go through? Israel. Okay? On Wednesday night in Matthew there, we're, we're looking at the, we were looking in chapter 15. We actually did a whole chapter in one night. Well, it took us an hour and a half, but we did it. <laughs> no, nah, it didn't take an hour and a half. It took an hour and six minutes. <laughs> okay? But the thing is, is he's talking to that, that Gentile woman there, and she comes and says, Lord, help me. I need help. And he ignores her. And the disciples come and say, deal with her. She's nagging at us, and we get rid of her. And he says, I didn't come but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then she pops up, gets a little closer, and says, have mercy on me, Lord, help me. And he turns to her and says, hey, the children have to be fed first. And she goes, I know, Lord, I'm a dog. I'm under the table. And she put herself literally in the proper position of how the blessings were to flow. That was the, the, that was the condition of the world. The condition of the world was to be in that proper position, getting the blessings through the nation of Israel. But now, notice what he did in verse 15. For the casting away of them, the, the, the blindness in part, the temporary interruption of Israel's program did what? The reconciling of the world. Now the world can come to Christ, get the blessings, without going through who? Israel. They've been cast aside. That's a but now. That's what we're talking about back here in verse 21 of chapter 3. By the way, finish verse 15. What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? See, that's the issue. Now, now the world out there is on equal footing at the cross. Okay? You see, before the dispensational change, the cross had a hill. Yeah, Israel first and then everybody. Now the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Why? Because what did he do? He changed the program. That's why right division, come back to Romans 3, and the understanding of dispensational Bible study is so critical because it changes the way things, it doesn't change the righteousness of God, it changes how he can administer it and it protects him from violating his righteousness. And yet, and actually, he's actually able to uphold it and to maintain it. And that's wonderful news. You know, the good news, the gospel. Man, that's tremendous news to be able to say and to understand that, you know what he did? He changed the program. But now the righteousness of God is made manifest I'm sorry, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. He changed the program so that he could go do something with the world, and, it's just, and he protected his righteousness when he did it. So we're going to learn something here about God's righteousness, where he is able now to go to work on not only condemning the sinner, but now go to work on behalf of the sinner. Never revealed before in time past was this idea. You'll notice that it, it was man of being witnessed by the law and prophets. It wasn't fulfilled by, it was witnessed by. 
Again, we're, the, the details here we're going to learn regarding what the Lord Jesus Christ did in relationship to the righteousness of God. Not violating it, but rather maintaining it. Verse 21, but now the witness, I'm sorry, the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This verse sometimes is used to say, yeah, see, back there in the law and the prophets was, Paul's gospel really was there, because the witness is there of the law and the prophets. But it's not, is it? <laughs> it was witnessed by, it was not revealed by, or made known by. The law and the, it was just witnessed. And what was witnessed? The righteousness of God is what was witnessed. The con, again, the contrast, the but now. There's something that we're now, we now know about the righteousness of God. That the witness, the witness of the law and the prophets was about the, the righteousness, but now how that is going to impact and to be and to be put on behalf of, to provide the answer for man's problem. How the righteousness provides the answer for the sinner. And again, it's not made known by the law and the prophets. Rather, it's witnessed by. Come back with me to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. The, the law and the prophets... They say quite a bit about the righteousness of God. Jeremiah 23. Just give you a couple little parts here. You see, folks, there's something that God demands. And that, that issue about his righteousness, that it's upheld and it's maintained and it's taken care of. And you know what the law and prophets said? Yep, that's what's going to happen. Jeremiah 23, if you look at verse 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. What kind of branch? Righteous branch. Notice the capital B. That's the name. That's going to end up being the title of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see the, him, him in this capacity as a king, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. That is, that is a portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ as king. That is done by that is carried out by Matthew. It's pictured by Matthew. By the way, you'll notice in verse six the that the Lord our righteous is all in capitals. That's who he is. That's a title of his Jehovahness. If you drop down to verse number nine, my heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord. This is Jeremiah speaking. And because of the words of his, what? Holiness. Jeremiah says, you know what? I'm like a drunk walking out there to and fro. I'm all over the place. And it's because 
of the prophets, if you go back to verse 1, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, say the Lord. The prophets, the leaders aren't doing what they're doing. And, and Jeremiah says, I'm all, I'm all, hey, he's not saying he's drunk, walking around in a stupor. He's like, I'm all over the place because of the holiness of the Lord. I'm out here on fire because of, he's the Lord our righteousness. And there's a constant theme about that. You go over to Micah 6 and Isaiah 53 and other passages, and you real quickly begin to see this issue about how the law and the prophets, specifically the prophets here, come in and protect and speak about his holiness and his righteousness. Now, come back to Romans 3. So we understand that when we get to verse 21, when Paul says, but now, we're not talking about a new righteousness, but rather we're talking about an, an issue of a new revelation concerning the righteousness of God. I, t- I told you the law. Uh, the law of God is righteous, Romans 7, right? Okay, the problem is man. But Adam and Eve were taught the law. Abraham was taught the law. Noah was taught the law. Way before it was the Mosaic law with the if and the then, see? See, the law, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, right? What's the fear of the Lord? His commandments. Well, that's the law. It was way back there taught, given, laid into humanity. It was just with Moses, the law was added to the, for the transgression, Galatians says. To do what? By the knowledge, by the law comes the knowledge of sin. We're going to introduce the law here in an if-then condition contract so that I can point out the sin problem that you guys got because you're still kin to Adam. Come back, you're back in Romans 3 now. So we know that God's righteousness is not against us. That's what Paul's getting at now. It's really for you. He's really here for the sinner. And again, his righteousness is what condemned you, but now his right but now his righteousness is going to do what? Help you. Take care of you. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Critically important verse, verse 22 is. Because it, 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 there's an issue here of the righteousness of God is going to be based upon something very specific now. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Ah, come on, catch up. Sunday morning. I know you guys weren't out partying too late last night. No. What is it? It's the faith of. The new Bibles, they all go to the faith in. And when they do that, they take away from the the requirements. They change the requirements that the righteousness of God has their in place to be taken care of. What does the righteousness of God require? Perfect. Perfection. Do you and I have that? No, never. We're sinners. We've been proven guilty. 
So it becomes not our faithfulness, but whose faithfulness? The faithfulness of the only one that's perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the revelation, the but now, concerning the righteousness of God, hinges on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to carry out the requirements of the righteousness, the justice of God. And we have to keep that in mind. When you witness to people and you talk to people about their salvation, praying the sinner's prayer doesn't get them saved. It actually dilutes the message, to be honest with you. Well, so they shouldn't pray. I didn't say they shouldn't pray. They shouldn't pray the sinner's prayer, see, because they, they take their faith and they put it in a prayer rather than the finished work of Calvary that you just got done telling them about. Because the righteousness of God hinges on the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is never a reward for our faith. Rather, it is a gift because of the faith of Jesus Christ. And that's important to remember. Come over uh, with me to, back to chapter 1. You see, folks, the righteousness of God can only be satisfied through the work of, of another. <laughs> Not the, through the work of the condemned. But rather through the work of someone who is not condemned. You see, if it was through us, we make a mess of things, <laughs> you know. We just, we just muddy the water big time, and rather the faith of. Seven times that faith of is used when we read about the faith of Jesus Christ. And what Paul's doing in the but now is he's revealing for the very first time how God's righteousness can work on the behalf of the sinner. And it works on the behalf of the sinner because of the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1, verse 16, we started here. For I, get Romans 1, 16 and get Romans 3. Put them like this because we're going to bounce, okay? Romans 1, 16, for I am... Not I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that, what, believeth, right? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And we talked about that issue of faith to faith. You and I are not in that equation, that's God the Father having faith in His Son, and His Son in faith doing what the purpose of God the Father is. You and I are not in that. But the component that we've been talking about, all these 30-something lessons, has been this issue about the gospel of Christ, because in the gospel message, the righteousness of God is revealed. And it's revealed not only to condemn you, but to help you. Now, you got verse 17. Now, skip over to verse 22. All right, you with me? 117, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Verse 22, 322, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ 
You see, the issue there of faith, it's faith to faith. It's the faith of the Father and the faith of the Son working together. Again, the righteousness of God can only be satisfied by the work of another. Someone not condemned. And when he talks about the faith of Christ, the faith of Jesus Christ, we are not involved in that equation. And I'll be honest with you, that's a, that is wonderful news. Because if you and I had to be involved in the way religion says or our traditions say, we would mess it up. We would screw it up so bad you couldn't get undone. This past uh, week, I dug the fishing tackle out of the shed and uh, realized it had been sitting in the shed in the heat for about seven years. So I pulled on the line, to, okay, and it snapped. So we went down and got them respun. Got new line put on, so now we're ready to go fishing. But the thing is, is when I pulled them out, we have like we had like ten poles, and you know what they were? A tangled mess. And I was untangling them, and you know what happened? You know what began to boil? This is nuts. What am I doing this for? So I pulled. <clears throat> And that's when it snapped. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I took my knife out of my trusty knife out of my pocket, and I cut them all off at the, at the, at the reel. <laughs> well, I still got a what? A tangled mess. So work down all through that. You see, that's what we would do. We would tangle it up. We would mess it up. And religion does that. Verse 322 is clear that, guess what? You are not involved in the situation. The faith of Jesus Christ. Um, the, the significance of that expression is wonderful because it has to do with the righteousness of God. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. If our faith was involved, how in the world would you and I maintain the righteousness of God? We wouldn't. We can't do it. We'd just make a mess of it. But that issue of the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, come over with me to Galatians 2. Galatians 2. We'll spend a little more time next week uh, die secting this out a little better, but look at Galatians 2, verse 16. Here's the verse that you take people to when they insist of, on making the faith of to the faith in. 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. <coughs> okay? How are we justified? By the faith of Jesus Christ. See? Even we believe, where? In Jesus Christ. That we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You see that issue? Both, both faiths are in that verse. The faith of Christ is what we're believing in. All right? Then he says, even we have believed where? In Jesus Christ. 
So when someone pulls that out, hey, you know, you got to be of instead of in. No, there's a verse. And by the way, you know what that verse tells you also is the translators understood how to translate that verse correctly. And leave it as faith of Jesus Christ and then our belief in Christ. You see, our faith is placed, look at that verse carefully, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Our faith is in his faithfulness to fulfill and to accomplish the righteousness of God. You see that. When we say that we trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, that's, that's saying what this verse is saying. We believe in his faithfulness to go do what? What does the righteousness of God demand? A perfect sacrifice, a sacrifice that's perfect. The law and the prophets have witnessed that. Why in the world, could you imagine living in the day of the Old Testament when they brought the sacrifices to the temple? What a god-awful stench that would have been. If you've ever been around a slaughterhouse, you know, at the end of Stapley uh, in Mesa, McKellips, Stapley just ends. Right across the street was a slaughterhouse. They built million-dollar homes on top of it. I bet it stinks at night. But there was a slaughterhouse up there, and just before they closed it down, I went in there. I, 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 made, a, I, I made one of those whoops, I want to see what's really going on up here type of moves, and it was a slaughterhouse, and they were processing animals, pigs and cows, basic, mostly. And I was like, wow. So I got walking around. The guy goes, what you doing? I said, I'm just looking. I, you know, I'm just a city kid, you know, and so forth. And, and he's like, well, this is what we do, and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? It took a little to get over the odor, the blood, the mess, the guts, the grime. But you know what? God, why was Israel bringing that sacrifice? Because that's what the righteousness of God demanded. That's what the law demanded. What does the justice say? The sin penalty's got to be paid. So what are we going to do? Well, I can't do it. I need someone to do it on my behalf. And his faithfulness is to go. So our faith is really in, his faith, that in the faith of him. Verse um, 20, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Whose faith? How am I living my, how am I living my, my Christian life? That's what Galatians 2.20 is about. It's not I, but it's whose life? It's his life living in me, living out through me. And I can only do that by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that's a wonderful verse because it tells you real quickly that when Christ walked the earth, who was he wa how was he walking the earth? He was walking the earth in line with the word of the Father to him. He says it over and over again. The things I do are not my works. They're his works, him that sent me. The words that I speak, they're not my words. They're his words, the one that sent me. He says it over and over again. What did the word of the Father what did the word of God to, to the Lord Jesus Christ say for him to do? He was to be their Messiah. So what did he have to do? He had to heal the blind, heal the sick, heal the lame, cast out the demon. He had to do everything that the prophets said the Messiah would do, and he did it. 
And you know what? He, you know how he did it? He did it full of delight. Because that's the issue of sonship. The issue of sonship has, has yes, you know what, you understand what the father's doing. And yes, you're going to go do it, but now you're going to delight in doing it without the father saying, you got, why aren't you doing this? <laughs> you just go and do it. But it's all, we, so then we live by what? We live by the same faith. What does the word of God to you and I today say about how we're to live our lives? Is it under the Ten Commandments and the traditions, or is it under a walk of faith? See. Follow that? I didn't lose you on that, did I? Okay. Chapter 3, verse 22. You see, folks, when we get into this thing about the faith of the faith of Jesus Christ, it is critical because our faith is resting in his faithfulness. And you know what chapter 3 of Romans in verse 25 says? That God the Father had faith in his faithfulness. The propitiation. So when our faith rests in the faithfulness of Christ, the work of Christ, the Father says, that's what my righteousness will accept. Now we get to 2 Corinthians 5 over there where he made us righteous. See, he didn't, we still don't have his righteousness. He made us righteous. <laughs> we'll talk about some of that next time. Where did I tell you? 322? I'm watching the clock. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Isn't that wonderful? We, the faith of Jesus Christ, will be given to them that do what? Believe. The promise by faith. You see, folks, we believe in the faithful accomplishment of Jesus Christ on the sinner's behalf. And that's what Paul's getting at. That's what Paul's driving at in Romans 3 is the fact is, is that the righteousness of God now is manifested without the law. Why? Because all the law does is bring about the knowledge of sin. It exposes it. It doesn't fix it. No flesh can be justified by the law. The only way for anyone to be justified, to, de to be declared righteous, is for someone else to come in and step in and their activity be what meets that righteous bar. Okay? Now, that's what we believe. Jesus Christ, come over to Ephesians 3. Jesus Christ was faithful in dealing with all, with everyone's sin. Ephesians 3. And you know what that means? That means he didn't miss one. That means he didn't miss that one that you think, oh, he could never have died for that. No, he did. And I'll be honest with you, when you're as a believer and you begin to think about your walk and your life and you're thinking about what you're doing, real quickly, what you just did is what hung him at Calvary. That one sin. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden for one disobedient act. Of, of disobedience. <laughs> and you know what Christ did? He paid for it. He covered it. Why? Because he was faithful to go and do what? 
the righteousness of his Father demanded. Ephesians 3, verse number 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Again, the New Bibles put that faith in him. It, it's boldness and access with confidence. If you come back to chapter 2 of Ephesians and verse 18, for through him we do both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So the access point here that we're talking about is to the Father. You go, you, hold on here, run back to Romans 5. I'll give you, these are the three, by the way, access points, access verses. Romans 5, and verse number 2 is the first one you come to. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of... We have access by what? By faith into what? This grace. All, all man, we'll, we'll look next time in verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace. We have access into this grace, the doctrines, the information, the status. But how is it? It's by faith. Verse, Ephesians 2, verse 18. How do we have access? By faith, but also by who? By the Spirit, right? Into the, unto the Father. Verse 18, that's the second access Sorry, verse, that was me, I did that. And then now go to Ephesians 3.18, or th I'm sorry, 3.12. What a wonderful verse. By faith of him, <laughs> we have boldness and access with confidence. Notice, our confidence, our boldness isn't in our faithfulness. Because I don't know about you, but when I saw 110 going to be the temp today, I was like, I, I don't want to go to church. I just want to get in the swimming pool, you know. Or you roll over in the dead of winter, and it's like it's a little chilly out, you know, 860. It's a little chilly out. <laughs> and I don't want to get up and go. I just stay underneath the cover, see. Or if you crank your AC down to 60 and you snuggle, you know, whatever. See, see our faithfulness is waning, but his isn't. You see, our con I love that, our con our, the confidence. Not arrogance, by the way, but confidence. I have boldness and confidence because of what he did. He did it all, see. Come over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. So that phrase, the faith of Christ the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith of this is a critical phrase through all of Paul's epistles. It's mentioned some seven times, and it's all based upon our faith and his faithfulness. Philippians 3, verse number 9. I'll get there myself. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Again, how's it? How's the righteousness come? 
by faith in his faithfulness. But it's an interesting verse there. Paul has just come down through verse 4, 5. Look at verse 5, circumcised the eighth, talking about trusting in the flesh. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, notice, a Pharisee. Okay, so a Pharisee is a Bible fundamental, he's a Bible believer. But now watch verse 6. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in what? In the law. He says what? Blameless. He doesn't say faultless. What he says is, is he says blameless. When Paul, as a Pharisee, broke the law, he then would go and do what the law required to fix the broke. He was blameless. And you know what he says about all that? The next couple verses, it's all dung. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may, notice, win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. What's Paul understand about his righteousness? It's nothing but the filth. Didn't get it done. And he was a Pharisee of the... He was in that law doing it, and he was blameless in the law. When he offended in one, he went and took care of it, and boom. And you know what he says? It was worthless. What I want is I want the righteousness which is of God by faith. Jesus Christ was faithful for everyone, even a guy like Paul, who was a per look at what he did in verse six, or persecuting the church. He was out there killing God's people. And you know what he says? He was righteous, he was faithful for me. You go over and you read Paul's testimony in 1 Timothy 1. I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and I persecuted, and I did this and that. I was the chief of sinners. I was leading the rebellion. And you know what he did? He came in the world to save me. So when you come back to Romans 3, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Oh, don't let them tear that up. <laughs> that's good. That's, Linda made apple crisp yesterday. That was, that's even better than the apple crisp. <laughs> Okay, that's good right there. But then he goes on. Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Unto all and upon all them that believe. Unto all. Unlimited provision to all. There's no limits. Titus 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It's unto all. There's no limitation. He, it's for everybody. But notice it says, and upon all. The provision is unlimited, but the application is limited and restricted to those that believe. And that's critical. You see, folks, the provision of 
of the faith of Christ and the, the righteousness of God now standing for the sinner. It's unlimited. There's no limitations on it. There's, there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why verse 23 says it. There's no difference. Why? Because all have fallen, all have come short of the glory of God. But man, that application of his faithfulness standing in the stead for the sinner, satisfying the righteousness of God is limited to them that believe. That response of faith alone. No working, no activity. For you to work is to say that God's sacrifice wasn't enough. You have to help. So what did we just do? We messed up the equation, didn't we? We muddied it up. We got the fishing line all tangled up. For all of there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. No difference. The reason verse 23 is there is because of the no difference at the end of verse 22. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's exactly what we just learned in the verdict. The whole world is guilty. There's no difference. The Jew can't claim anything higher than the Gentile. The Gentile can't claim or, or any. It's all the ground, as the song says, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. No one stands higher than I. Just as when you're in Christ, we're all blessed with spiritual blessings. There's no one bigger or better. You know, the difference between you and me is time spent in the Word of God, time spent applying the Word of God to life. That's the only difference. One time at Shorewood, there was a gentleman, he was saved. He had been saved three weeks, and sitting in the same auditorium was a, was a gentleman that had been saved 75 years. What's the difference between those two gentlemen? Nothing but time spent in the Word of God studying. Everything else was the same. So in, in verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned. Again, that dispensational viewpoint and come short of the glory of God. That'll, again, all this is dragging us back to chapter 1. What did man do with the glory of God? He corrupted it, made it into a corruptible thing. Now, verse 24, well, now we get into the mechanics of it. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we only got five minutes, so we'll stop. I don't want to get into that because every word in that verse is critical. Freely. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. What does it mean to being? The state of who you are. If you look at chapter 5, verse 1, therefore being justified. You be something. What, what you be. 324, you be justified. How you be justified? Freely. So then what does freely mean? What does justified mean? 
We use that thing about being declared righteous, to be made righteous. It's, it's, it's more than being declared righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he says, For he who knew no sin was made sin, to, for, that we might be made, not declared, but made righteous. Those are different. Declaring it says, hey, it's going to be hot today. But getting out in it tells you what? It hot. <laughs> okay. I did that yesterday morning. I got up. I thought I got up early enough to cut the grass. And I got out there. I'm like, man, it is hot out here. Holy cow. You know, and it was like, all right. <laughs> you know, I'm waking everybody up now. <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, I got yelled at for waking them up, but that's okay. But see, the thing is, I, I, freely. I love that word, freely. You know that that's the word that Eve butchered in the conversation with, with uh, Satan in Genesis 3? She took out, God had said, you freely can eat of all the trees except the one. She took out the word freely and added touch. She took out grace and added the law. And freely. No condition required. Nothing required. It's free. You think about that word grace. You know, freely by his grace. That, that word grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? That's how we usually talk about it. That's phase one, by the way, in salvation. Salvation has three phases. Phase one, it is great, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. But then as you begin to grow and you move into, into your walk and into, into your second phase, you know what grace begins to be? It begins to be grace rightly applied changes everything. That G-R-A-C-E, okay? The acronym, yeah. So the acronym first God's riches at Christ's expense. There's our initial justification. But then as you learn and grow and life gets changed, it becomes grace rightly applied, changes everything, because doesn't it, <laughs> in life? And then when you get promoted to glory, it's, it's the glorious revelation that accomplished Christ's exaltation. And that's the glory. See, so grace has more than just well, at Christ's expense, you know. It, there's a lot more going on there. And then that word redemption. Boy, what a word to be redeemed from the slave market of sin. And again, go back there to Romans 3. If you're, I don't know if you left or not. We'll pick up in verse 24. Actually, we're going to go back in verse 22 and look at the faith of Christ a little more. The righteousness of God without the law. God's righteousness looks at that sinner and condemns the sinner. You're not perfect, you're a sinner. But now, the revelation of Paul says, same righteous, now watch it go to work for you. Verse 19, shut up, be quiet, stop. Let me talk to you, let me show you the provisions I've made. Here's the plea deal in that courtroom. Moses said, I put before you life and death. Choose life. <laughs> That's what the judge is doing. You're dead. You're on your way to hell. Here's some life. Here's a lifeline. And that's what he's doing with, all right? Okay. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the look into the passage here. 
and the, the wonderfulness of your righteousness, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, and, and the grandeur of that, and that you are now consistent with your righteousness, and as you begin to, begin to work for the sinner on behalf of, we'll just give you the honor and the praise for that. In your name we pray, amen.